I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 9 of the Parenting Aces Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week we are talking with Laura Valverdu. She is the sister of Danny Valverdu, whose name you may recognize, he Andy Murray, and others the pro tour but this week we're focusing on laura who has an amazing tennis history herself she is originally from venezuela where she grew up with her parents and her brother um she's a a little over a year younger than big brother danny two of them came up together through tennis uh moving to spain when they were teenagers to escape some political issues in Venezuela, but also to continue their tennis training and development. And she went on to play at the University of Miami and played one and two singles and doubles. She was the top player in the country. She made the NCAA singles final in 2009 and the semifinals in 2010 got her bachelor and her master's degree at Miami. Her, bachelor's was in psych and her master's in sports management and then went on to become one of the coaches at University of Miami working with the team that she had played for for four years had a great coaching career was involved in recruiting some incredible young women for University of Miami including last year's NCAA singles champion Estella Perez-Samariba who earlier announced that she is actually going to return to University of Miami for a fifth year um, due to COVID-19 cutting her senior year short. So now um, Laura has moved back into the private sector. She's left coaching, is coaching at a club in Miami, and has started a new platform that she hopes will open people's eyes a little wider to what tennis is, what it has to offer, and how a variety of people involved in the sport have utilized tennis to carve a career path for themselves. So I'm really excited to have Laura on the podcast and excited for y'all to hear from her. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Laura Laura, welcome to the Parenting Aces podcast. We have been trying to make this happen for a few months now, and it took a pandemic to get it together. So <laughs> glad you're here. <laughs> thank you, Lisa. No worries. Yeah, thank you, COVID, too. But I'm glad uh, I'm glad we're here. So great. For sure. So this is your first time on the Parenting Aces podcast. And when I have a new guest, I'd like to give them an opportunity to talk a little bit about how they got started in tennis. And I mean, you come from such an incredible tennis background and history that I, you know, we could spend the whole hour talking about your achievements. (laughs) But how old were you when you first started playing? And how were you introduced to the sport? Yes. So, anyways, first of all, um, like I said, thank you so much. Okay, uh, this is for sure going to be fun, and it's it's always a nice thing to to reflect back uh, on what you know. I can say was a was a pretty uh, satisfying 
uh, career, and it still is. Uh, tennis is still in my life, very, very present. So I started uh, when I was about uh, five or six years, I would say five, uh, in the typical country club with my, you know, with my mom, with my dad, uh, with my brother. We had the pool, the soccer field, the basketball court. We had golf. There was everything at the club. And um, I did everything. I mean, I tried swimming, which lasted two days. <laughs> it wasn't good. Uh, I, uh, it was it, it, funny enough. I, I told my parents, it's too repetitive. And mind you, my dad's like, well, tennis is repetitive too. I said, well, at least I'm playing with a tennis ball or something. Bore, it's, it's, swimming is too boring. But um, my brother actually stayed in it. He, he actually swam for about, I believe, maybe like six, seven years. He was pretty good. Um, I, I think if he would have stayed, he would have maybe started, went into the Olympics. I, I, could, I could actually say that. But he, he said no, and I kept playing from like five until like nine, and that's kind of when he joined me. So my beginning with tennis was very much about having my dad taking me to the court. Um, I didn't start that early with a coach. Um, I mean, I had, you know, the club coach that would play with me a couple of days a week. But, you know, it was predominantly me and my dad. Um, and then I was pretty excited because I was better than my brother at something that he's older than me one year. So um, I was getting very, a lot of praises. So I stuck with it, and then my brother joined us when when I was about nine. No, I was about eight, and he was nine. And uh, it took him about maybe two years when he got to 11 to start beating me. So those were the times, <laughs> but they didn't last too long. <laughs> and and yeah. did you guys grow up in the Miami area? Oh, no, no. We um, were actually we, we were born in Venezuela, in South America. Um, we were born there in Valencia. The city was called Valencia. And um, we basically lived there until I was about 14. So when I was 14, I moved to Spain. My entire family, we're from Spanish, you know, heritage. My, my entire family mm -hmm. is Spanish. Um, so we moved to Spain when I was 13, 14. And then my brother, though, he came to Miami for a year before he went to Spain. So he lived here and he went to school here for a year. Our connection to Miami, though, it, it, it was pretty big because we used to come here every summer almost. Um, pretty much when we turned like 10 and 11, we started coming here every summer. So we used to train here in Aventura uh, with Colon Nunes, who was an academy up here. We had the the opportunity to also train with Jose Luis Clerc. He was a pretty amazing player from Argentina um, and great coach. So we had great times here in Miami. And then, you know, because of politics and, and everything in Venezuela, my parents decided, you know, because of that in our tennis career that we should move to, to Spain. Um, and that's what happened. We, we moved to Spain. I lived in Barcelona uh for about four years before coming to college you know back to miami um but yeah we had we had a pretty good connection with miami 
Right. And I guess that's why I was confused because, you know, when I did my research, um, you spent quite a bit of time (laughs) in Miami in your formative years. So I just assumed that you were living there. Um, So once once you finished your junior career, were you through your junior career, were you traveling around the world competing or were you focused mainly on staying near you know, Venezuela when you were younger, Barcelona, as you got older, did you come to the U S to compete? How did that work? Yeah, I was, uh, lucky enough. I was, you know, very international when it came to my tournament. Um, we, you know, like I said, we were born in Venezuela, but right away, I, I would say, about 12, uh, we actually started traveling over, you know, to other countries to compete, especially in South America. And by that time, I even, I, I used to come to Miami to play the Orange Bowl, the Junior Orange Bowl. Um, I, the Eddie Her back then was the Prince Cup. Um, I remember one of those tournaments. But yeah, so I was, I was pretty good in Venezuela, which then translated into being pretty good about top five in South America uh, we used to have the it was called COSAT um, it's like a it's a big tour in South America and if you're in the top six uh, the best six they take you to Europe uh, to compete so I basically did that through really my almost entire junior career like under 12 no under 14s and under 16s um, and I did that basically right before moving to Spain, which was around those, you know, 15 years mm-hmm. old, 14, 15. So and was, I was Danny international. Was Danny he traveling was with you? The same. Yeah. Yeah. He was basically, well, he wasn't with me in some of those European tours, but he was traveling too a lot. He was also one of the best in South America. So we were, I mean, we pretty much, you know, looked, it was a nice thing because we both, Without truly intending to do this, we both kind of did the same. We played the same tournaments. We were doing great. Um, so it was like we were winning in tournaments, so we would stay the whole time together. So it was always very nice like that during our junior career. And then we did separate a little bit in uh, when we moved to Spain uh, because I moved to Spain and I actually – you know, it was pretty some 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 critical years there. I mean, I, I was 14 and a half when I moved, and that wasn't easy for me at all um, in terms of, like, changing, you know, training styles, changing countries, really living away from, from my home. Um, I basically moved away from home, you know, being, like, 15. And uh, we were living in Barcelona, having a great time, but, you know, living alone and and doing our thing and training and training in the morning, going to school, taking a shower, training again, doing fitness. We we had the whole deal. I mean, we were we were lucky enough to live together, but our tournaments, we we started playing different stuff. He went on to playing more like challengers, like the entry level pro tour tournaments. I kind of took a little bit of a break there, maybe like a year, year and a half, where I was changing everything. I was not not, not my strokes, but just the style in which they were training me. 
um, you know, the way the Spanish move and, and the feet and, and the way they see the court, it was kind of a, a little bit of an adjustment for me. But um, him and I were always, always really uh, international with our tournaments. We, to the States, we came sporadically once we moved to Spain. It was more Italy, Spain, Germany, uh, France, you know, more around Europe at mm -hmm. that time, Croatia. Um, but yeah, we were definitely lucky to have the ability to travel quite a bit and, and kind of taste, taste the, the styles and taste tennis all around the world. And, and, and I think that gave us really kind of a huge push in our, our way of, you know, seeing and playing and competing because you're just so used to playing against so many different people, right? Right. And when you moved to Barcelona, yeah. it was just you and Danny, your parents stayed in Venezuela at that point? No. So my entire family moved. So my parents, uh, my okay. uncle, my aunt, my grandparents, everybody moved back to Spain. Um, they, though, went to the Canary Islands, which gotcha. is Tenerife. That's where they live. And we both were in Barcelona at the Sanchez Casal Academy where Emilio and Sergio Casal started. And so we were there during actually amazing years. I mean, we were there. That's sure. where my brother started the relationship with Murray. That's where, you know, we met Andy and Veta Kuznetsova was there at the point that she was winning the U.S. Open there was like, I mean, Elena Bovina, they had all these amazing Spanish players that were basically like top 300. Um, you know, I was training with girls from Lithuania, Spain, Ukraine, uh, you know, call them, I mean, from Britain, they were all top 400, top 500. So it was a very nice time in that academy. And, uh, you know, Arancha would come around. I mean, it was just greatness all around. So, yeah. um, we, yeah, yeah. So it was like, I mean, Emilio would come down from his office and like train with me like in an afternoon. So it just was amazing. Arancha would play points with us, would tell me, you know, where's your discipline? Where's this? So it was, uh, it was eye opening and, and it was nice because we always knew what great was, right? So mm -hmm. the push really came from seeing that a lot. And I mean, we always, my, my dad did a great job. Um, he, he wasn't, he was, he was a soccer player. He was kind of a professional soccer, soccer player. So he understood sports, um, but he was never really a tennis, you know, player. He was never a tennis coach or anything, but he did a great job in just teaching us like like greatness and keeping us around that in the sport. Um, so I always say how, you know, I could call my dad like randomly <laughs> on a Wednesday afternoon, like, hey, dad, thank you for everything you did. And he's like, OK, you're random, but it's, it's true. It's just, <laughs> you know, it, it's because I just I realize now, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm an adult. I'm a coach. I see so many careers. Now I see so many angles of the sport, and I'm like, wow. I mean, if you don't have this and this and and this put together, I mean, there's the kid has no chance, right? Mm -hmm. So it's um it's very interesting, yeah. At what point did you decide that? 
coming to the States and going to college and playing college tennis was the right choice for you? Yeah, <laughs> this is a, this is a funny, funny uh, story because of what my trajectory was there after college. Um, because, you know, I did college. I really just did it so well. I took everything in from the experience and, uh, then I ended up being a coach for a really long time for an amazing program and for amazing players. But I just, when I first, so my dream, obviously my brother and me, our dream was I want to be the best tennis player that I can be. I want to be a professional tennis player. I want this to be my career. This was like our thing, right? Um, it was kind of a family thing. That's what we all wanted. And, you know, it's life. It gets to a point where the finances play a big part, obviously. And the part that it played for my family was that we had two kids, two kids doing the same thing, two kids, you know, trying to make it. And it's obviously not cheap. So my, you know, my dad really without really telling us, you know, he, he left us trying to do the right thing, continuing our focus and having our dreams. And then, but he had it all figured out from, from the back, right? He had it, he knew that we couldn't sign contracts. He knew that, you know, we had to continue with our high school. He knew all of the things that we needed to have set up in order for us to go to college. I mean, education was, was I mean, was very important in my family as well. And uh, my mom was kind of in charge of that. But, uh, you know, it got to a point there. It was funny. I was doing my best. I was about four. I, I think I was like about 460 in the world at the time or 400 and, and long. I mean, but I was 18. I mean, I was doing pretty well. I was passing, you know, I was going to 50K, 75K, you know, kind of like passing qualities, you know, feeling good about myself. And uh, I went to a weekend in uh, in Luxembourg to a tournament. It was a 75K at that time. And it was my first time passing the qualies. And the last round of qualies, I played Jelena Dokic, who was like oh, wow. major, you know. Yeah. Yeah, for my... For me, I was like, wait, okay. She was like top four in the world. I watched her play on TV. Um, she's like, okay, you have third, you know, third round of qualities tomorrow. You play at whatever time. And, I, you know, we usually used to discuss, like, who else? Like, no, a little bit about this match, right? Some people don't like it, but I used to like it. And that night, he's like, no, nah, we'll talk about it tomorrow. It doesn't matter. And I was like, okay, weird. So I get in the morning and he's like, okay, you're playing Yelena Dokic. And I'm like, you mean Dokic? Like Dokic Dokic? And he's like, yes, you play her. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I and I go, why is she even here? And he's like, that's oh, what I was getting ready to ask. Why is she in the qualities? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, she was get she got injured and so she was like on her way back, right? Like after that tournament she just like made a major move, but she was like three hundred at the time. I mean, you know, but she still knew how to play tennis obviously. And uh I'm like, All right, cool. So I end up beating her seven five in the third. I passed the qualies. Um 
I played, I, I remember her name was Ferret. She was a French girl. She was top 40 in the world. I'm feeling great about myself. I lose like 6'4", six, 6'4". Four, six, four. You know, pretty close, clay court player. She was good. Okay. I finished that tournament and, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a star. I'm going to be great. I'm feeling super good about myself. And my dad's like, okay, guys, come back home. We need to have, you know, one of those family weekends. And obviously that never meant anything to me because we used to go home all the time. And um, he had the talk. He had that talk and that I'll never forget. He's like, uh, you know, I've decided that you both need to go to college and that's what we're going to do. And I was at the time, right? It, this was, I mean, we're talking 2006, well, and five, because he told me, I believe, July or, or August of 2005. It's a long time ago. So college was, was permanent and it was a, a conversation, but it's not as big as it is now, right? So right. at the time, I didn't really know about college tennis. I mean, I knew something like that existed, but I never really cared because after I finish high school, I'm going to be a pro. That's what I'm going to do. That was the conversation I have been having for the longest time. So I wasn't really excited about those news that my dad had given us. And I really didn't know where I wanted to go, right? Because I didn't know anything. My only connection to the States was Miami. That was like the place where I knew, you know, I knew the city. I had friends. I kind of just felt a little bit more comfortable. So when we started the process, I, you know, my brother went a semester before me. He was a, not a year, but a semester. And mm -hmm. uh, he decided to go to Miami. I mean, he was recruited by plenty of schools i mean and i'm telling you from georgia like really good ones to I, I don't know i mean he was recruited by a bunch and uh but he decided miami uh he wanted to be in a place where he knew um we used to have an apartment here that my dad owned so it was kind of easy right for my family and uh when i came here i just it was more of a family decision than me my own um, at the time, Miami didn't have a scholarship for me. Um, the, the team was, was full, and uh, I was being recruited by Florida and some big other schools that were top 10. And uh, I decided, I, you know, I still, again, I still laugh at this with Roland Thornquist. I mean, it's a, funny, it's a funny story, but I verbally committed to go to Florida and, uh, because Miami didn't have a scholarship. And I basically changed my decision there after like a month because Miami came up with a kid that quit and uh, I didn't sign a contract yet or NLI with uh, Florida. And I had such a big pool just for my family and my brother. And, you know, being a coach, this happens all the time. I mean, people, right. I don't think they know how many times this happens. But um, it was a very tough thing for me as a 19-year-old to, you know, go up to my, my dad basically, and not many people do this, and, and Roland and Dave at the time when he was the associate head, he, you know, they thank us. They even, he thanked me even during my career. My dad drove from Miami to Gainesville um, to say thank you and sorry and, uh, you know, but we wanted to stay as a family and 
that was what we were going to do. And, you know, and super classy Florida guys, of course, they said, it's your life. It's, it's 40 years of your life. And it's obviously not a joke. And, you know, you're going to be successful wherever you go. But, um, <laughs> but we're obviously very sad that you're not coming. And then during my entire career, uh, after I graduated, Roland saw me in the first tournament as a coach and he told me, well, if you would have come to Florida, you would have had two rings. And if you would have played with us, we, we would have probably had three rings. So thank you very much. And I just started laughing, but, um, it's, uh, it was interesting decision for me. I, I didn't, I wasn't quite excited until truly it took me though one month because after I landed in Miami and I started, you know, training in August and going to tournaments, I, I was lucky that I, I, I did really well. I, I went right away and won a lot of matches. I mean, I went into the All-American Tournament in L.A. and I basically just rolled through three qualities, qualities, and I think I lost in like the third round. I mean, I did pretty well. Um, and so, I mean, I, I was like, this is this is pretty cool. I mean, I then I went to regionals and <laughs> I I lost in second round and Paige is like, well, if you knew this was gonna be, if you thought this was gonna be easy, good luck. You know, I uh, right. I started to really realize that college is well, it's not easy. It's not about just tennis. It's not about how good you are. It's about, oh, my God, so much more than that. It's consistency. It's discipline. It's just so much around it and behind it. And it's like playing for an institution, playing for your coach, for your teammates. It's just you learn so much. And right after a month or so of having conversations with Paige, and, I mean, I was I was completely in love with it, and, and, and I thought it was the best thing for me, so... But yeah, at the beginning, it was a rough, it was a rough start with the decision for me. Well, it sounds like it. But I, what I think is so cool is that not only did you last minute decide to go to University of Miami and have a phenomenal career there, but once you finished college, you decided to become a coach there. So what was that decision to go into coaching? Yeah. you know, to be honest, it's I never said to myself, I'm going to be a coach. Like, that was never something I said out loud, right? Um, I always said I love tennis so much. And, uh, you know, at the time, I finished my career, and I had to decide, so my undergrad career, right? And I had to decide, you know, I was in my best shape. I was playing really amazing. I mean, I felt the best that I ever felt, you know, even though before coming here, I was already like 400 something, but I really was feeling like I was playing great, great tennis, even better than before. And um, I had to decide, you know, whether to, do I want to continue playing? Um, And how am I going to do that? Like, am I going to find myself sponsors or what am I doing? Or, and and for that, I had to go home. I had to go back to Spain. Um, I had to go back to living with my parents, going to a place where I hadn't been in a long time. Not that home is not great, but I had to continue to make a life for myself. And then I decided to study for my master's degree, 
which is what I did. Um, I went and did two years at Miami, which is where I got my sports business degree. And then I was volunteering for the team at the time, meaning I was doing a little bit of like management on the first year. And then I started volunteer coach, um, I think on the second year or maybe into the first year. But um, when that was done, you know, I graduated with, you know, with a master's degree, very happy, you know, Miami gave me so much. And I just had to decide what to do one more time. And I said, you know what, I, I, I miss, I like coaching, I kind of miss the court, I'm not sure what to do. Um, like I said, I had trained in Barcelona, right, with Emilio. Mm-hmm. So I went and I moved to Naples uh for a little bit there to train uh to coach in his academy um i had uh you know i was gonna work closely with him and and take care of basically that age you know the the 14 to like 15 16 like 16 17 before going to college um i had a very good you know connection with with the girls that age and even with the boys so that's where he had me for a little bit and after that, I mean, I was one day on the court like in the morning and I, and I see Paige calling me, Paige, the head coach at Miami. Um, and, you know, I thought it was very random that she calls me to say hello, you know, at 9.30 in the morning. And she said, which we never really thought this was going to happen. So Alex Santos, who was the assistant at the time, he went on to take a job uh, as a head coach for Pittsburgh, um, in the ACC conference. So we, you know, I worked together with him. He was also kind of the volunteer during my senior year. I actually knew him from my years back in Barcelona because he used to coach there as well. So it was all kind of like kept in the family. And then Paige just called me and said, you know, if you want the job, you can have it. So I really didn't think twice, you know, it was back to Miami, back to the place that basically I love so much, um, back to working with, you know, a great person like Paige. And I was just happy to hear and, you know, back to being on the court uh, at a high level. And so that was it. I went to Miami and I stayed there, worked my, my butt off with, all these girls, I mean, all the success that truly we had is it was because of them. I mean, they were amazing. All of them, you know, great listeners, blindly trusting in the system. And we had success. I mean, we, you know, the team basically predominantly top 20, top 15, you know, up and down, but great years, just great individual success too. And so, um yeah those years were were great so there wasn't really like a choice really made it was just from a call that i received and and the love that i had for the place and tennis so and then i grew as a coach there for sure what did you bring from your own college tennis experience as a player to your experience as a coach what do you think you know helped yeah. make you successful as a coach or as a player? Sorry. As a coach. So the things you learned from playing yeah. college tennis, 
you know, yeah. what did you take from that that helped you be successful as a coach? Yeah. Um, I believe I was just, you know, I'm, I'm a person that really, um, I kind of hold on to, to feelings and I know what that moment felt like. And usually on the tennis court, I, I remember everything. I mean, it's funny. Like I don't have a memory for <laughs> daily things, but I, on the tennis court, I mean, you can ask me for every score, every match, everything that was happening and I'll, and I'll make sure I'll remember. So I, I had um, a pretty good connection with the ladies because with the girls on the team, because I could, I could relate very well to like what was going on. And I knew, you know, from top to bottom, uh, how to take a player that just came being, you know, obviously pretty good because Miami's recruiting you, but to make that player be the best that she can be in the, in the fastest amount of time possible. Like that was like my goal every time, if I could take that kid and, you know, the fastest way that I can get her to understand, you know, college, the maturity, the transition, you know, helping the girls know what's coming, you know, even through the recruiting process, I would tell them like, this is what's going to happen. You have to believe me. You're going to go through this transition. You're going to probably be feeling this, you know, pay attention to this coming. And, you know, I, I just had a very open door type policy with them in terms of, of really anything they needed. And I think, yeah, I, I could help them a lot in what they were feeling and how to do it in college. Did that I come did well because did that come because your college coach did that for you or did it come because you felt like you could have really used that type of support when you were playing? Uh, that's an interesting, uh, yeah, that's an interesting question there. Um, I think it really just came from, from me and what I thought they needed most. Um, you know, Paige helped me so much. Uh, I mean, the thing, right, you have different players, right? So it's funny because Paige, you know, you needed to tell me things once or twice and that was it. I mean, I was going to do it, you know, so I can recall just this major conversations that I had during my career with Paige and I can call I can count them in my hands, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so there's a difference there, right? Because you get players that are more prepared than others. Some that come in at different types of maturity. Right. But I was kind of like that younger coach that would relate to them in so many other ways that would help them. Right. Like even socially and as women, you know, I would help them gain confidence. That's, that's for sure something that I did for them. Um, you know, see yourself as a stronger person, you know, you're capable of doing this no matter what, like I would give them the tools to really truly believe in themselves. Um, and then, you know, yeah, I think, yeah, I have an eye for that. I think I, I pride myself for that as a coach. I feel like I can see where to go for them to shine and for them to start truly believing in themselves, like on their own, right. Independently. So 
Paige um, helped me a lot, like on the court, in, in like managing my career, right? But mm-hmm. I was pretty independent in like how, what I wanted, you know, and, and believing in myself. And I just knew I wanted to be, I wanted to win every single match I played. So that was there in me. So she, what she did best was control my career, like manage the pressures, you know, you know, help me see it more like from another perspective. If I wasn't thinking maybe right or whatever, you know, she helped me with my personal life. But again, it's like counted in my hands, right? So um, what I did with these young ladies was I would try to relate and really give them just a boost of confidence for them to just do it on their own, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Well, I, this hour is yeah. going so, so quickly. I want to make sure we talk about what you're doing now because in December yeah. you decided to make a change and to leave college yeah. coaching. And now you're back in the quote private sector. Um, share with us yeah. what, what type of work you're doing now and you have a new project that I want you to talk about too. Yeah. So it really is, um, it was a move to, for growth for me, uh, professionally. Uh, I wanted to know that I had touched many other angles of the sport, essentially. Um, it's a private sec- it, it, it's a it's an academy club there's two big parks in the Miami city uh, Miami Beach city area um and this is one of them it's it's a really cool club i mean they just got you know they're they're doing tournaments left and right obviously not now but you know it, it was a club that was booming i i really again like funny enough I never said, like I told you, that I wanted to be a coach, but then I also never said that I wanted to be a club coach, Um, but here I am, and I'm loving it because I am working with basically all types of clientele in the tennis world, which is super, super cool if you love the sport. I mean, I'm working with nationally ranked kids, you know, all afternoons. They're training for nationals. They're training for stuff that they want. They're training for college, which is a little bit of an area that I'm loving a lot because I feel like I can tell them what's coming, right? Mm -hmm. And I enjoy doing that. That was like, I'm coaching with such a different eye right now. And and, uh, they're listening better, which is, I think, you know, part of also the experience that I have in front of me, right. Or behind me or in front, (laughs) but, uh, I, um, I'm enjoying a lot. The part of like really getting to know the community that's behind the sport. It's, it's super cool. Um, I always knew it was there, but I, you know, there's many, many amazing people behind tennis. Um, I'm really impressed with what they've done with the club here. And that was the main reason why, I chose this club. Um, I really, I'm working with Martin uh, Van Dalen. He, he's a well-known coach, uh, you know, here and also in Europe. Um, he worked a long time with the USDA, then moved uh, away to, he's from the Netherlands. He worked in Finland, the Netherlands, in the federations, and now he, he's older and he's moved here and basically just has the management to this club and it's just such a nice little facility. Actually, if you come around Miami, you should come. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we're trying to grow the academy, which is 
try to bring better players into the academy. That's like what I was brought in to do as well. Um, right. And yeah, and from all of that, I like you said, you wanted to talk about this other thing that I'm doing. I it, it initially, you know, it was an idea that I had years ago, but I never was Miami work and I, I never really had the time to put my brain into it. Um, and now I'm, I'm definitely more serious about it. Um, it's called Tennis Between Lines. And it's essentially, you know, right now it's, it's just in the social platforms and, uh, like YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and, uh, Facebook. But it's essentially a platform and a community of, you know, celebrating tennis lifers. So, like I said, all the angles that the, the tennis world has, you know, I'm, I'm talking. I, I'm talking to photographers, to um, to business owners, to tournament directors, to high-end players. You know, high-end clothing companies, like all under the theme of tennis, of course. And uh, I'm trying to portray the why of their success around the sport um, and their long-lasting relationship with it. Um, that's kind of like the basis of my conversations with them. Um, and again, like I said, it's not a podcast yet. It's not a, a series yet. It's, it's really nothing yet, but it's, uh, it's, it's a cool way of staying connected and definitely there's plenty of ideas coming. Um, it's just philosophically speaking, this, 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 uh, project is very aligned with me, which is super cool and it, it happened so organically that that i'm definitely excited about it so yeah well you've already talked to some pretty impressive people in the tennis world and yeah. i want to just let yeah. the listeners know we'll have links to all of your socials in the show notes on parentingaces.com so people looking to follow awesome. you and your efforts um will be able to just click on those links and follow but what yeah. What's the what's the bigger picture for this new project? I mean, what are you hoping to achieve with it? Or are you still kind of trying to figure that out? Yeah, honestly, if you ask me the big picture and, you know, trying to see it is I want to start more of an initiative and a movement to the way people see the sport and with families and, and, and juniors and, and just really the community in that's embarking in, in this journey. I mean, I know, it, I mean, myself included, you and, and, and many other human beings in the sport that have been in tennis for so long. And, you know, and I've encountered so many times people that do not see the sport the way I would like for them to see it. You know, it's not all about winning and losing. Um, you know, uh, Pete Sampras is not much, you know, it's not better than you just because he won all the slams. Obviously, he's better in results, but that camaraderie and that love for the sport, we all have it and we all share it. And we're all kind of a community. And, and, and tennis has so many angles. You know, I, I sat down and talked to this photographer from New York um that worked for racket magazine and he spoke about tennis for i don't know for like an hour and it was the coolest thing 
that happen in that conversation because he was telling me about how he sees tennis, right? And it's through a lens. But all of those things that he was telling me about really compared to how I see it on the court, coaching. And so it, there's, I just want to create maybe like a movement. It's a philosophical movement right now. And I just don't know exactly what it is. But I mean, I do know the vision. I just don't know in terms of like the company, if it's a podcast, if it's a this, if it's events, events is, it's, it's the, it could be, you know, how, how I start this, but let's see what happens. <laughs> well, I think, you know, like a lot of people, this pandemic has given you an opportunity to take some time away from being on the court as a coach yourself and, you know, yeah. giving you a chance to really put some thought into what you want this to be. And I think we're yeah. going to see a lot of changes as tennis is now opening back up. Um, you know, I'm seeing so many conversations around the junior competition side, what it should look like, you know, is college tennis coming yeah. back next year? What's that going to look like? And so I think we have such an opportunity right now to impact our sport in a very positive way. And I think this yeah. kind of time away from competition has given all of the players, not the the people on the court, but the players in a broad term, all of those involved in the sport, a chance to yeah. reflect on what's been working and what hasn't been working and how we can make the necessary changes to grow moving forward. And your platform is, you know, one of those things where you're shining a light on, like you said, the photographers that work in our sport, the tournament directors that work in our sport, the vendors, the manufacturers, who most of us don't get a chance yeah. to hear from those people on a regular basis. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the idea really started from encountering so many parents and, and, you know, tying into what you do, right. Parenting aces. I've been a coach for a long time and, and I've always encountered many families that just don't do it the right way. And they might, you know, stop the success of, of their kids just because, you know, they don't listen to the right people. And, and I'm not saying, you know, I know everything. I'm not saying, you know, I, that's not the point. The point is I want to help, you know, people around the sport to really see everything that tennis can give you in so many other ways than just winning and losing. Um, you know, I'm talking to unbelievable tennis players that are talking about not their titles. They're talking about their friendships. They're talking about you know, the investment to their education. They're talking about so many other topics that have nothing to do with truly what they are and what we see on TV. So it's just giving a light to, to again, what tennis has given me, which is so much more than, than my titles, you know. And, yeah, it has given me, you know, getting the Hall of Famer at Miami. It has given me trophies. It has given me attention. But the doors that it has opened for me in terms of networking and connections and just having somebody to call, truly, probably almost every country I go to in the world, it's, I mean, you can call that amazing. I mean, I, I don't know how other way to call that. So 
I call it amazing yeah. too. I think that's fantastic. And <laughs> you know, the, the fact yeah. that you grew up with a sibling very close in age to you who was, you know, eventually pursuing yeah. the same passion. Um, how is your relationship with Danny now? How often do y'all see each other? You know, do y'all talk about this yeah. new project and is he going to be involved with you too? Yeah, so I wish I saw him more. I mean, they they live in Zurich. He he has his wife, and actually recently became a dad of twins. So he has uh, Felix and Annabella. They're ten months old right now. Um, so I wish I saw them more. But no, so we speak a lot about tennis uh, in terms of you know the coaching of it more so uh than this project so far i mean this project i honestly you know thank you quarantine who gave me time to you know for five six weeks to just kind of sit down and have the courage to just put something out there and start seriously thinking about this but um you know i i haven't really touched upon him and in getting involved but again who knows you know i have hopefully my entire life ahead where tennis between lines can become something but um, he did say, you know, good job in starting something. And so let's see what, what, what can happen. So, but yeah, we, we discuss more like the details on court, which is we have that competitive spirit between the two that has been, uh, since the time I can remember. So he, he definitely got me to be a better competitor that I'm going to give him that. <laughs> That's very generous of you, little sister, to say that about your yeah. big brother. <laughs> well, yeah. any last words yeah. of wisdom you want to share with the tennis parents out there? We're we're coming on the end of our hour oh, here. Man. Tennis parents, just you know, be kind. Let them enjoy. Let them you know remember why they started the sport. You know, they started the sport because it was fun. They loved it. You know, they go out there to play tennis. Uh, you know, they don't want to hear your plans for the future. They don't want to hear your, you know, your anxiety attacks because I'm not winning. You know, just let them play. Let them enjoy it. And, and always remember that your words have a huge, huge impact. Um, that's all they know. You know, you're parents are kids heroes and and you play a big role so i always used to tell the parents you know you have you've been given a certificate you know from the time your kid was born and you are your job is it's it's big you have the chance to either make or break them so i know that's a lot of pressure but you know as parents you know what's best for your kid but sometimes as tennis parents um you have to also go through a process right um it's not only the kid going through the process learning about the forehands the backhands the grips the emotional side of it the psychology the fitness like it's not just them you know you have to go through it as well and that's kind of also you know the vision for tennis between lines is showing them the why these people have been successful um and what those key components were and I've been I've been finding that I mean family and support and and just the healthy vision of the sport is is a huge one. So so yeah, I I don't want them to hear it from me because I felt like I had to convince them right as the coach. 
um, you know, because that dynamic can be also very interesting sometimes. But I want them to also hear it from from the mouth of of that you know star figure or that successful businessman or or whoever it is that has been around the sport and says, listen, I am who I am because this and this happened and this was my journey. So, so I can, you know, maybe support myself with something I can create there at the end and say, I told you so. (laughs) (laughs) Famous words, right? I love it. Well, Laura Valverdu, thank you so much for doing the podcast and sharing your experiences with all of us. And I wish you all the success with Tennis Between Lines. I think it's, you know, the concept is is really interesting. And, um, you know, we're starting to see a lot more of these types of projects from coaches, from players, um, really opening yeah. up. And sorry about the noise here as we yeah. close. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's okay. but I'm really looking forward to seeing more from you and following your progress. So best of luck. Thank you. I appreciate you, Lisa. Best of luck to you too. And again, thank you for having me here and let's go. Let's play some tennis soon. <laughs> let's do it. To my audience, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.